What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I'm your host, Brenda Aiken, and joining me today is the man who always has room for a piece of mincemeat pie, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. Oh my gosh, that's my favorite, favorite pie. And my dad and I were the only ones that were willing enough to eat it. Every every Thanksgiving we had, my mom made that, made that for us, and nobody else touched that pie. But you know, this year was a, a shift for me, so I realized... I'm 56. I just turned 56 about a week and a half ago, and my stomach cannot handle mincemeat pie. I had such indigestion from that mincemeat pie. (laughs) But God's telling me it's a new chapter in my life. Well, are you sure it was the mincemeat pie and not everything else that we ate on Thanksgiving that day? I I did a a randomized test, being a scientist that I am, and it's indeed the mincemeat pie. (laughs) The mincemeat pie. Well... You know, there are many other things to indulge in for Thanksgiving. We indulged quite a bit this year. We were a little bit uh, behind the mark, we'll say. Usually I have a lot of time to get ready for Thanksgiving. The shopping happens the weekend before that. And then I can spend the rest of the week kind of doing a little bit throughout the week. So that way there's less to be done that day. However, for our listeners, you know, we've not had a new show for a few weeks now. And part of that was because for a couple of weeks almost, we were gone on pilgrimage. And so we had just come back from that. And then we moved right into the Thanksgiving celebration. So there was a lot to be done. Something, though, that you did for me, and I'll say I'm so grateful for one of the mornings that I had gotten up so early because we were still on, you know, Europe time. Uh, as I made this shopping list and at about 3.30 in the morning, maybe 4 o'clock in the morning, you were also awake. You said, well, I'll just go down to the 24-hour grocery store and get all of the stuff for Thanksgiving. Not too many sh- people shopping Thanksgiving week at that time of the day. It was fabulous. No, there was, in fact, the only people that were shopping were not shopping. They were stocking. <laughs> so I had to work around all the stalkers as they put put stuff on the shelves, and I was taking it off as fast as they were putting it up. But Thanksgiving is such of these wonderful holidays. In fact, I would say Thanksgiving is the most religious, secular holiday that we have in our calendar, because that's exactly what Thanksgiving is all about. It's giving thanks. It's, it's about thanking God for all of the blessings and we get together to be with our family. This year was a little bit different for us because our oldest daughter, for the first time ever, not able to come and join us because of her job. And so she said, you know, I had to prioritize Thanksgiving or Christmas off and she chose Christmas. But nonetheless, everybody, when we got together, we had a great meal. But, you know, it does feel a little bit different when not the entire family can get together. And we've had to experience that for the first time. So, I mean, we're, we're starting to understand different things. I think we've talked about before on our show that we don't realize what our parents went through in having to separate from us right. when we got married and started our own lives. And now our own children are doing the same thing. And, and yeah, there's a, a little bit of a longing there, but boy, it sure makes the time when we get together all the better. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, the, the aspect of Thanksgiving, I think it's become what it best could be, uh, given that it's a secular holiday, that uh, people stop 
from their busy day and and reflect and give thanks. And as as Catholics, we do that every Sunday. Mm-hmm. Every Sunday we celebrate the Eucharist, which in, in and of itself means Thanksgiving. We uh, we exemplify that with uh, with on, on Thanksgiving with having our family around the table, and we sat as we do every year, and we went around and gave thanks for things that we uh, were mindful of that God had had graced us with. And this year there were some some great things we were blessed with, and yeah, I think it just is is an interesting holiday because me being a Native American. I even have people ask me, is that offensive to, t- to celebrate Thanksgiving? You know, there's so much sensitivities in the world. And I say, no, no, it's not. But clearly it's a, it's a secular holiday to give thanks that I think was established by Washington himself, the mm. first president of the United States. Um, but it's become something that is, as you said, almost a secular religion where people come and give thanks. That might be the only time of the year they give thanks. Um, but they we certainly travel as a nation. We travel really, uh, really heavily during Thanksgiving, don't we, to make sure that that thanks happens. No, no doubt. And, you know, speaking of travel, like I said, we had been on pilgrimage. We arrived home from about 11 days that we were in Bosnia-Herzegovina at the pilgrimage site of Medjugorje. We arrived home very late on Sunday. I worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then, boy, the celebration for Thanksgiving. So we were a little blurry-eyed, but nonetheless, to be able to have time with our family, to be able to have that trip, so many things to be thankful for. Oh, what well, just a just a tremendous trip, tremendous trip. But I, I think our bleary eyed came probably two days after we got back For because sure. we. I don't recall ever having that much difficulty shifting back to our normal time, and and I think it's taken us a good week and a couple of days. Could be. To, to I get would back. say yes. But um, but no, the the trip was just fantastic, and and you know for a pilgrimage, the thing that you pray for the most is that you have a safe trip. And indeed, this was a tremendously successful trip in that regard. The angels were watching out for us. Our guardian angels were watching out for us. We uh, we did a lot of hiking, and it was a lot of a lot of uh, risk for the Lord. And thankfully, we were safe in doing that. Oh, for sure. Well, that is going to be the focus of our show today. We're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, we don't have a special guest this week on View from the Pew. We're going to share with you some of the things that we did on our pilgrimage, what it means for us to be pilgrims on this journey, and uh, share some of the miraculous and prayers that were answered in ways that we never expected. So please stay with us. we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Home for the holidays I believe I've missed each and every face Come on and play one easy Let's turn on every love light in the place Please celebrate me Christopher Minutes, thoughts on making every day count. I'm Tony Rossi. Sister Teresa Alethea Noble has a busy pre-Christmas schedule which includes baking cookies that are decorated to look like her fellow Pauline sisters. She does, however, recognize the need to slow down during Advent because she says God has a special message for us when we pause and inject silence into our routine. Writing for the website Alethea, 
Sister Teresa offers some suggestions for ways that you can slow down this Advent. One is take a walk. She says little breaks that get us out in nature slow us down and help us tune into the rhythm of the natural world. Also, read the Gospel of the Day twice and then choose a word or phrase that jumps out at you. Ask God what words He wants you to chew on today. This message was brought to you by the Christophers. Thanks for listening and remember that it's better to light one candle than to curse the darkness. Greetings and blessings to all of you listening to Mater Day Radio. Join me, Father Gabriel Mosier, and other listeners of Mater Day Radio in this prayer for thanksgiving. Let us pray. We are grateful, O God, for all the blessings you have given to us, but most of all, for the richness of your mercy and the abundance of your love. May we who have received so much be mindful of those who have so little. As we give you thanks, help us to show our gratefulness through our care and attention of those who are broken or despised. United by your love of us and our love of you, may we come to know that we are all brothers and sisters relying on your providence and each other. Amen. For more prayer resources and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. As Advent begins, Mater Dei Radio is excited by all the opportunities waiting for us in the new liturgical year. No matter what lies ahead, we never want to lose sight of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's why Mater Dei Radio has crafted a special gift for you, our 2023 Marian calendar. Check your mailbox because we're sending you an uplifting reminder of all the days ahead to celebrate Our Lady. Mater Dei Radio's 2023 Marian calendar features beautiful artwork, encouraging messages of hope, and a full list of the Blessed Virgin Mary's upcoming feast days. Put it in your office, home, or anywhere you might need some spiritual inspiration. It's our way of thanking you for more than 33 years of your generous, prayerful support for Mater Dei Radio and the Hail Mary Media app. Look out for your 2023 Marian calendar. Just another way we're leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary at Mater Dei Radio. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew. Well, Scott, we are home. I love looking at my passport and looking at all of the stamps that we got in there. It's a beautiful reminder of where we went. And not it wasn't just about going to these different countries. But on pilgrimage, it was a going to the Lord. And this whole trip, all nine days that we were actually there, plus travel days, I think it was 11 days in total, this was a true pilgrimage. And and I think we've talked about this before, about the idea of what it means there are like Catholic vacations where, you know, you go visit sites, but it's about visiting history versus going on pilgrimage, I think is much more of a spiritual journey. And this was all of that. It was a complete spiritual journey. And so I thought we would share with our listeners today some of what we did. So this was my first trip to Medjugorje. Medjugorje is a small town in Bosnia-Herzegovina. You, on the other hand, this would have been your second trip. The first time you went was with your father. Maybe share with our listeners a little bit about 
what that experience was for you to be with your dad. And then we'll kind of explain that or relate that to what we experienced when we just recently went. Yeah, the first time that I went, uh, my mom had recently passed a couple of years prior. So my dad was really searching, searching for what his faith means to him. And, you know, Medjugorje was just a tremendous blessing to help him to understand most fully the the blessing he has in the Catholic faith. He's a convert to the to the faith when he married my mom 56 years prior to her passing. So in 2009, she passed. So 2011, when I went, it was a real pivotal moment for him, I think, to, to really absorb and adopt his faith completely as his own. And he did that just with such, uh, such grace. He was so grateful to go, you know, 80 years old to go at that time. I just couldn't believe the, the vigor that he had to, to get up and, and do that. As you now well appreciate that long trip, that mm. is a flight and a half to get there and then some, but he, he was, he was transformed while he was there truly. And his faith became uh, so, so vital and vivid to him and especially the rosary. So as we shared on this trip, starting out, as we took our bus ride up to Seattle, we began with a rosary with, with uh, the 36 pilgrims that were with us. And it was a constant throughout the trip. Uh, rosaries were constant. And I think it's just uh, so centering when we do it in particularly in community. And for those of you who pray rosaries and fall asleep, when you pray rosaries, when you do it in community, you don't, you, you right. really, it really helps to keep, keep the focus. And so that's uh, for my dad, when he came back in 2011, he prayed the rosary every day from that point until his, until his passing. So just, he really, he really became appreciative of, of that sacramental that we have that our mother gives us to, uh, to do the good work for her son. You know, since that time that you were able to take that trip, I have really come to appreciate even more so now having been there, what a real gift that was that God provided in the timing that you were able to have that trip with your father, because, well, we now know that we didn't have many more years with him. And for the two of you to be able to, you know, grieve together on that pilgrimage and heal and for your father to realize the beauty of his Catholic faith, it was a gift. And that was, I would say, a fruit of that pilgrimage. So we were able to have this opportunity with our parish and friends at Holy Redeemer Church. And I say friends, I didn't know these people and you didn't really know them either. We have not been parishioners or part of Holy Redeemer. We knew a few of the people who were going, but it really allowed us an opportunity to make friends. And, and, and we had just such a wonderful trip. We left Vancouver on a bus. We drove to Seattle on this bus. Then we got on the airplane, flew to Istanbul, flew to Sarajevo, got on another bus, drove to Medjugorje. Uh, that we left on a Wednesday. We got to Medjugorje in time for a late dinner Thursday. That's how far away we had to travel for this. But it was once we got up that next morning, this process of entering into pilgrimage, into this really this about a you know week and a few days of deep prayer was just incredible. And we began praying the rosary as a group as we were leading up to the trip. But as you said, every day that we were there, that rosary, it was central. And that rosary was prayed before we would enter into mass. 
because we always say this on the show, and I've said this before, our lady is always pointing us to her son, always asking us to deepen Mm -hmm. our prayer with him. And every morning we had English mass at 10 o'clock. And then every evening beginning at five was a three hour prayer service. And almost everybody went every single night. So we spent four hours of every single day that we were there in prayer. And I remember realizing that was the schedule for the trip. And I thought, how are we, how is this going to be possible? That it, it didn't feel like we would be able to pray that much and that it would be able to be sustained. And yet, as the week went on, you start to, you know, yearn for that time. Like you were like getting through meal because you knew we were heading out to go pray. It just became such a beautiful flow of the day. You know, one of the amazing things that I think we can share with the listeners that really impressed upon us with regard to that program, they call it the three-hour prayer program. The community at this time of year that we went was was really uh, small, the, the, the pilgrim community. So it was uh, the slow time of year uh, from this point forward through till about March. So by the time we arrived, there, there were very few um, pilgrims there, but the community was out in, in, in presence. And at the prayer program, we noticed that we began to see people, the same people every night. Right. And the people that we were seeing were not pilgrims, like I said, but they were actually community members, people who live in Medjugorje. And I think that's the most um, impressive aspect of the program when you're able to see that the truth of what you might otherwise miss if you're there in a sea of people. I've been there when there was just a sea of people, thousands of people for the mass. So you don't get to have an appreciation for the community of Medjugorje that gathers there on a regular basis all year long. And we saw that clearly in our opportunity to be there with them during this off season, if you will. And just amazing testament to faith. Uh, Elders, people coming off work, their children, for three hours, praying the rosary for, for the first hour, mass the second hour, and then a healing service the third hour, or adoration, or veneration of the cross, every day. And they have done that every day for 40 years since the first apparition. So it's just a, a tremendous testament of a people's faith that has inspired really so many millions to come to pilgrimage there and share what they have as a daily experience in that beautiful place uh, where Mary has come to to touch us in the way she has. Along with those prayer service, during the days we would kind of visit different sites around the area and some of the local cities also. But two of the main parts that all of the pilgrims do are there's two hikes that you hike and pray One is Apparition Hill and the other is Cross Mountain. And I would say Apparition Hill is maybe half the length of the hike to Cross Mountain. And on Apparition Hill, there are the joyful mysteries that you pray as you hike up. Now, when you go up Cross Mountain, will you pray the stations of the cross? As a group, we would hike those. And then also there were opportunities in the evening time and sometimes very late at night some of the group would continue to hike those and pray. It was just such an amazing part of the trip. Now, when we did that trip up Apparition Hill, 
And I don't think I really understood when you had said, talk to me about that hike, what it was like to hike. This was not a path like we're used to where it's a groomed trail and it's, you know, soft wood, dirt or, you know, any, anything like that. This was like a rock mountain, almost like a rock waterfall. And everybody just on a wide kind of stretch of it would just kind of find their way up. Now, I did make that first trip up there with the group, but I offered that up for our daughter. So as an offering, I took my shoes off. And I don't know, had I known what it was going to be like, you know, it was probably a good thing because it it was a struggle. But, you know, our daughter's in nursing school and she was on my mind and and it's a a difficult journey. So I thought, I'm going to take this journey and pray for her so that God can help alleviate her stresses and put people in her life to help guide her, her direction. And it was an amazing trip to be able to offer something like that up for somebody that you love. Now, I had in my mind an idea of how I wanted that prayer to be answered. And no doubt God answered that prayer. And he answered that prayer for me nearly immediately. Because when we got back into town, our daughter was staying with our son that weekend. We were able to visit with her. And she had made the decision that this path that she was on at the university she was at was not the right one. And so together we made this decision to come home and find a different path forward. And it just is that reminder. It, God answered that prayer immediately. And it's funny because it wasn't the answer that I thought it was going to be. And yet, completely at peace with the answer that he did give us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we couldn't have foreseen what her decision might be. But, you know, I remember when you made that choice, it was a spur of the moment choice to offer that up to to climb the mountain barefoot, which is a tradition for uh, for some folks to do when they climb uh, Apparition Hill and Cross Mountain uh, as a as a suffering for the benefit of those who are suffering and and our daughter certainly was so you were I was so proud of you you just you just kept it together and I know it was not easy and uh, the community uh, prayed around uh, you as we went up and you know for their intentions as, as well and we prayed uh, rosary uh, on the way up there and then. When we started coming back down, we prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And I think just being able to to take those, what as Catholics we, we might presume as common prayers and do it in such a way as community climbing up that hill, it was just powerful, just powerful. And some of the folks had had some, some real supernatural experiences uh, while we prayed the Divine Mercy Chaplet, the uh, Miracle of the Sun for a couple of the people who were able to see that. Um, not an uncommon um, site for some pilgrims who go there, but we were blessed with some of those folks who received that. We did not, no, uh, but we certainly didn't doubt it because the conviction of the people uh, was certainly a testimony to Mary's presence uh, in that uh, in that area of the world uh, as we did that as we did those prayers. Uh, the The walk up Cross Mountain, as you said, is about twice as far, and. You know, I think it's it's really hard to describe these landscapes to to people who've never seen this kind of 
of landscape before, but it is it is tremendously uh, treacherous if you're not careful. And that's why I was so grateful that our our angels are watching out for us, that God gave us the protection, that Mary covered us with her mantle to protect all of the community uh, who went on that trip. And we had young and old in our group and no one was hurt. And it's just a tremendous testament to how a pilgrimage can be. But we prayed before we went up each of those mountains. And we did that intentionally to be mindful of the fact that we're risking for the Lord, but we do this as a sacrifice. And it was just great. Well, and just as I had made that offering to walk up Apparition Hill barefooted, Scott, you, on the other hand, along with a couple other people from our group, you offered up that hike to Cross Mountain barefooted. You had a special intention that you were praying for a very close friendship. Uh, your friend who had passed away, two of his children were there with us. And to to be able to suffer that way for the benefit of somebody else, that's what it's all about. That's yeah. what it's all about, to be able to offer that up. And so, uh, again, these relationships that we were able to form with this group, the fruits of the fruits of that trip and to be able to see them, uh, some of them again at mass on Sunday. Oh, it was just like greeting, greeting your best closest friends again, because they all had that same experience. So I look forward to the time when we'll be able to go on the next pilgrimage, whether it be back to Medjugorje or well, to some other beautiful place in the world. But again, always our lady is calling us to these places to deepen our faith, to strengthen our soul grow closer to her son. Scott, before we go today, will you end us in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the gift of your mother who calls us to turn to you always. And so this day that we focus on this tremendous pilgrimage that we shared, we pray for all of those who are feeling lost, feeling disconnected, that Mary, our mother, calls us to join her in her hands and trust her to lead us to her son. We give all of that commitment to our thoughts and prayers this day that Mary is here for us and wants us to be in union with her son this day. We ask all this in her son's holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless and have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.